y'all just pray with me? God, here we are on this, this day, this Sunday that we have habitually set aside to gather, to sing, to pray, to worship, to attend to Scripture, uh, mostly to open our hearts and be changed and shaped by you. God, what we have just heard is affecting us. And my prayer is that it would affect us more than we would like. That we would be willing to sit with the discomfort of it and not just move on to the status quo or business as usual or life as usual. That Black History Month, Black Future Month, Black Excellence Month would be an occasion for us in this space to be changed and transformed. And we ask that if we, as we read scripture today, uh, that it would work its way into our heart in uh, that same way, to shape us and form us into more compassionate, kind, generous people who have the courage to speak and act. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know, my name is Jason. I'm the co-minister here along with Janelle uh, and uh more and more on Sunday morning, I feel like it's deeply unfair that I have to follow the band and Janelle. Uh, by the time I get up here, I feel like I have been to church already. Uh, and so I hope that you will bear with me as I share a few thoughts on our current series, which is called Building a Community of Love. So for those of you who have been hanging around for the last couple of weeks, know We've been talking about what it means to build a community of people who genuinely produce love in a way that signals that there might be something better available than what we are all accustomed to, that there might be a, a community that could represent the highest ideals that we find when we read these passages of ancient scripture. Last week, we talked about investing in the community of love. We talked about how communities require input and effort on our part. And I did my best to convince you that there's a difference between work and effort. That when you work for a community, that's fine, but it's more of a transactional relationship. You're sort of punching the clock. You're sort of doing your time, so to speak, that that is work. But Aside from work, there is something called labor, and that labor is what we pour ourselves into because of love. That it's a bit like a woman laboring to give birth. That is, of course, work. But that the quality of it, the nature of labor, is different in that our love compels us to give our whole selves to it. So this week, I'd like to talk a little bit about how that laboring can produce something 
genuinely unique, and we find this in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Otherwise, we should have it up on the screen for you. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Christians in the church in Rome. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. And here Paul is adding to this teaching that we also visited last week in a different letter to a different church that used a different metaphor, but both of those letters were essentially aiming for the same outcome, and that is the production of a group of people, a community of people, who are achieving something miraculous, something truly spectacular. Last week, in Galatians, Paul used the metaphor of agriculture. That's a you know, famous passage, the fruits of the Spirit. What we do is a little bit like a grapevine. Borrow from John chapter 15, Jesus' metaphor of uh, being the vine and the branches and how we are plugged into the vine as the branches. And then Paul borrows from that metaphor in Galatians and says the whole purpose of this is for us to bear fruit. And this was the metaphor that gave rise to this sort of distinction between work and labor. But here Paul uses a different metaphor. Here he uses the metaphor of the body. He says, as a community, we are like a body. And it, it should be just abundantly obvious that the purpose of this metaphor is to emphasize our unity. That as a body, we are all part of the same unit. It might seem like we are disconnected. It might seem like we are different. It might seem like we are individuals, rugged and independent as we think we are as Americans. But in reality, Paul says, we are members of the same body. That might be good news or bad news for you, depending on whether you like the person sitting next to you in the pew. But Paul says we are deeply connected to each other. We are deeply unified together. And of course, this sense of unity is in spite of or perhaps, Paul would say, I think, because of our differences. This is the beauty of the metaphor of the body. Paul says, verse 4, For as in one body we have many members, and not all members have the same function. Verse 5, So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. There's the unity part. Verse 6, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. This is the difference part. We're not just a, a unified group of people. We're also a diverse group of people, a group of people who are very different from each other. And in this sense, that metaphor of the body works really well. Some of us are arms and legs and fingers and toes and ears and noses, and I just will stop there. 
I like it when my jokes land like 30 <laughs> seconds later. The point, of course, is even though we are all part of the same body, if you look around, you might notice we are also quite different from each other. And that difference contributes to a sense of purpose. Now, Paul here shifts from talking about the body to talking about gifts. He says we all have different gifts, and those gifts, prophecy, ministry, uh, exhortation, teaching, generosity, leadership, all of these gifts serve a particular purpose. That purpose is the production of goodness in the community. And now we're back to talking about good fruit. So there's this beautiful sort of integration of different kinds of people. You might have noticed that by hanging around here for just a little while, that there is, in many respects, a breathtaking amount of diversity in this community of faith. Uh, there are all kinds of really strange and odd people here. You just have to sort of get to know each other a little bit to learn that. There are people here, of course, who come from a broad diversity of religious backgrounds. Some of you are raised Christian, some of you are not. Some of you were raised Catholic or Methodist or Presbyterian or Episcopalian, or you were raised evangelical. Maybe you were raised nothing at all, but for whatever reason, there's a bunch of people here who come from a pretty diverse group of backgrounds. And what's really interesting about that is you didn't all come here because we all ascribe to exactly the same beliefs about God. In fact, if you get to know each other a little bit, you'll be quite alarmed at what the person sitting next to you believes about God. There are people here who believe that God is a God who is going to come back someday and rescue us from this terrible place. And there are people here who believe that the whole notion of Jesus returning is a sort of beautiful metaphor that propels us forward in a kind of progression of love and justice and faith. There are people here who believe that one day they're going to go to heaven and see their loved ones again. And there are people here who believe that certain people are going to hell to be tormented for all eternity. And there are people who don't believe either of those things. There are people here who believe in a deeply personal God who speaks to them every single day and comforts them in the midst of their difficulties. And there are people here who do not believe in the existence of that kind of God at all, but instead see all of this God talk as a deeply moving and effective metaphor for transforming us here and now. Yes, there are people here like that. And we don't just tolerate them. We don't just welcome them. We want to hear from them. We empower them. We try to center their perspectives. We try to learn from them. And that's because hands and feet and toes and ears and eyes and all the parts of the body are not simply to be tolerated. They are to be loved. Because whether I'm a hand or a foot or an arm or a leg or an eye or a nose, I deeply need the rest of you. This is, in many respects, a breathtakingly diverse congregation. But look around. In many other respects, it's not. And that is deeply representative of church in America. This has been called the most segregated hour of the week. 
And while we do have some racial and ethnic diversity in this church, while we do have black and brown bodies in this room and Asian American bodies in this room, and while we do have gay and straight and lesbian and queer and non-binary and transgender bodies in this room, we do not, in my opinion, have enough. Janelle already talked about Wednesday night, but Wednesday night was a deeply moving experience for those of us who were here. Um, we, uh, North County NAACP uh, and the Diversity and Equity Inclusion Team at Maricosta College called us on Monday to ask if we could host this event on Wednesday to reflect on the death of Tyree Nichols and to uh, contend again with the racialized violence of police in America, uh, that was a no-brainer. And we did it. Uh, and the band, the Sanctuary Band, was gracious enough to push their, their practice uh, because Wednesday night is their practice time. Uh, and the event was supposed to end at 7.30, but I told Joey and the band, listen, I will not be surprised if this goes past 7.30. And sure enough, person after person Sometimes people of color and sometimes people whose skin tone looks a lot, lot like mine got up here on Wednesday night and shared their anguish and their grief about the racialized violence against black bodies. They got up here and they spoke with a level of anger that I, as a white European man, am deeply uncomfortable with. Because white folks and white communities aren't comfortable with strong displays of emotion. But people got up here and they cried and they screamed and lamented and directed most of that emotion at the five or six OPD officers who were sitting in the third row. And those OPD officers took it. And then they got up here, a couple of them, and expressed their anguish over the death of Tyree Nichols, and expressed their concerns and their commitment to changing to whatever extent they could as individual officers and detectives and sergeants, their ability to influence the culture of the police department. But they also admitted that these issues are deeply systemic. Now, what I want you to take away from this is that there was a diversity in the room that night, on Wednesday night, that was deeply uncomfortable. But it was also deeply needed. In order for any community, any, not just a community of faith, any community, in order for any community to be healthy, to be functioning, to be able to uh, act in a way that is effective in the world, it has to represent a diversity of experiences and opinions and beliefs and values. And there was some of that on Wednesday night. We tend not to build communities as human beings that are that diverse because we don't like to be uncomfortable. 
Not very many people have a high level of tolerance for being in a room where a black person wails and cries in the direction of a police officer and says, what are you going to do about it? Some of you would just like me to stop talking about it now. And I just want you to attend to that discomfort. To ask yourself, why don't we form communities of radical difference? Why do we shy away from perspectives and expressions and values and beliefs that make us uncomfortable? And what can I do to embrace that? I know this is going to sound very Christian pastor guy of me, but I think Paul gives us a bit of help. When in verse 5 and 6, he says, So we who are many are one body in Christ. There's that unity that we can enjoy. And individually, we're members of one body. There's that diversity. We each have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Different gifts according to the grace given to us. And I want to just suggest to you that the key to this, the the single bit that we need to hold on to that enables us to be in communities of difference, even when we're deeply uncomfortable, is grace. And by grace, I don't mean just tolerance or forgiveness. That's how we tend to think about grace in the Christian tradition. As forgiveness, like I'm a terrible human being. I've sinned and Jesus was mutilated on my behalf, but God is gracious to me. Like, just please set that aside for a moment. Consider the possibility that that is not what Christianity is about. Because when Paul talks about grace here and uses the Greek word charis, he is not talking about forgiveness. No, no, no. He's talking about the the deeply Hellenistic notion of grace. This word charis doesn't mean forgiveness. It doesn't mean tolerance. It literally means gift. And that gift is not just the gift of forgiveness or the gift of tolerance. It is the gift of something that empowers you. In this case, he's talking about the gift of prophecy or teaching or generosity or leadership. He's talking about these abilities that empower us to achieve something good in the world. It's grace, God's empowerment of us by our unmerited abilities that enable something good to happen when we all come together. And if I reject your gift, your grace, your goodness, then I have rejected my own sense of identity and being as a human. You're not just a hand or a foot or an eye or a nose or an arm or a leg. 
That's just a metaphor for the fact that who you are at your deepest level because of who God created you to be is somebody that is necessary for my well-being. You're not just tolerated. You're not just forgiven. You're not just welcomed. You are deeply needed. You, who you are, exactly what you are, and how God made you is deeply, deeply needed for this to be a good place. There is no expression of God without each and every one of you and a whole bunch of people who aren't here who aren't comfortable being here because of the lack of diversity. Listen, no given community of faith, no church, no expression of a, a community of Christianity is a full expression of who God is if every single kind of body is not present. Every white body, every black body, every Asian American body, every straight body, every gay body, every lesbian, transgender, or binary body, non-binary body, every, every woman, every child, every old, ancient, decrepit person like me. I'm a grandfather now, right? So I'm starting to feel a little old. Every kind of person is needed for every community to be a full expression of the goodness of God. It's good that we have a diversity of ideas and beliefs and values here. But we are not complete as an expression of God's goodness until every kind of body is not just tolerated and welcomed, but fully empowered to be present in that community. Lewis Hyde has been sort of our companion on this particular series. I've quoted, quoted him a couple of times already. I love what he says in his book, The Gift. He says, an essential portion of any artist's labor, there's that notion of labor again, an essential portion of any artist's labor is not creation so much as invocation. This is the beauty of this kind of community, a community that is truly created and empowered and sustained by grace is a community that is deeply creative. What we are doing together is co-creating with God and with each other a reality that is deeply needed in this place. We aren't just working together for a community of love. We are laboring together. We are giving birth to this kind of community. And we aren't just laboring for any random reason. We are laboring here in this space to create a new reality, a new community of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, a group of people who are radically different from each other but radically committed to producing a community that is a genuine expression of something other than us. We are invoking a new reality. That is a deeply spiritual act. And every one of you are needed for that. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? 
God, we thank you again for today, for this opportunity for us to gather and to pray, to sing, to, to laugh, to cry, to be a full expression of the humanity that you've created us to be. We ask, God, that you would discomfort us that we would be deeply unsatisfied by the lack of diversity in our community. Not just racial diversity, although that's important, but a genuine appreciation for the beauty of every kind of human being. Help us to learn by grace to overcome the discomfort with difference, to fully love, to fall in love with the beauty of what other people are and how they contribute to the mosaic of God's goodness and creation. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I've just felt so inspired by the series Jason's been doing and um, so excited. And I think today what he added today about, you know, how Jesus said, I'm going to make all things new. And we get to do that with him. Wow in this space. Amazing. Um, okay, three things coming up. Next Saturday, February 11th, there's a women's retreat. Janelle's going to be conducting, and it's called Dare to Take Up Space. And it will include creativity, teaching, reflection, meditation, and just time to be together. And in the spirit of everything said today, I would Imagine that anyone who's genderqueer that wants to come, come, come one, come one, come all. Let's learn how to take up the space God wants us to take up together. Um, I think it's on February 22nd. Is it up there? February 22nd is an Ash Wednesday service. Is that right? Oh, is it coming up there? Yeah, the 22nd, 6.30. I think 6.30 to 7.30. We will be doing that here. And then on February 26th, get this. I think this is pretty cool. <laughs> Jason will be getting a new series of sermons on giving up toxic Jesus for Lent. Okay, I think we're all going to get into that. So <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Um, and let's see, getting involved. You just, you know what? I don't know how to do the QR codes, but if you guys are smart enough to figure that out, you can look at the QR code. If not, you can look at the website. That's what I do. Or there's something in the pew I guess we can look at, I think. Um, and don't forget, we're a 501c3, and so all your gifts are appreciated to continue everything we do here. And you can do online our QR code. I don't know. Can you QR code the, Oh, you can QR code that. And there's a box right there. So God bless everyone. Have a great week. And... Just great to be together. Yay. And also with you. Happy Sunday. Oh, and peace be with you. Yes. Awesome. Yeah.